You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, where the doctor stands. things that you can to reduce your stress. If it's easy, do it. I, 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 agree, I agree. Well, Michelle, Marquardt, DeVoe, Kristen, Coffee, Rondo, welcome to Vocal Fry. Thank you. Well, happy to be here. I'm, so Michelle and I have a joke about, we feel like we should we start the app. Thank you. Doing <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting us to Vocal Fry. Having we really a, never do that. We're so excited to talk to we, you we, today. We, <laughs> Everyone do that when they come on, or do we make a good joke? That, no, I don't that's think anybody's ever done that, which is funny. You're the first. You'd really think Congratulations. That We're the first to vocal fry on vocal fry. Why is your list of people who are on your podcast so not funny? <laughs> oh. Oh. Somewhere out there, people are feeling called Fire. out. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, well, vocal fam. Um, Michelle is no stranger to the podcast. Michelle actually is one of our most downloaded episodes ever. Um, wow, so, really? So, so welcome yep. back. Uh, still, none of us have been able to overtake uh, Ian Howell, but uh, we're, we're, we're very close, actually. So uh, one of our episodes is actually quite close, but it's an episode we did on his work. So yeah. I don't know if that even counts. Anyway. Mm. Um, that communicates a lot about who your listeners are. Possibly. You can, like, That's probably it. You well, can own content for that. I had just <laughs> mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the fact that, that our, our listeners have now become it's more voice changing. teachers as Nat's cast launched because our breathing episode mm -hmm. is now one of our most downloaded episodes. And that yep. never, I never thought. Was that was unexpected. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Anyway, How well, been doing before mostly singers. Um, I would no, say more no, half it's, and half. It's it's a lot of voice teachers. I mean, it's just uh, I I think our we've just had a little bit of a demographic shift, perhaps mm -hmm. is, is just the, and actually it hasn't even been a shift. It's been an expansion. So I mean, that's it's, probably it's correct. Just that as we've added, like at first it was definitely a lot more of our community and our friends listening. Well, at first, yes. At first, yes, which is why it was probably more even. But then as it's grown, we've really added more voice teachers just because. That's what we talk so much about. Yeah, so we have some SLPs who listen pretty regularly. Yeah. And nice. It all depends. Anyway. Um, so I'll give each of you a chance to tell the vocal fam a little bit about yourself. Um, sort of the, the Cliff Notes versions. How did you become a singer? How did you become a singing teacher? A little bit about just 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 so that the vocal fam knows each of you. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Kristen, let's just go ahead and start with you since the vocal fam is not quite as familiar with you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kristen Coffee Rondo. I am a singer and voice teacher currently in Dayton, Ohio, about to move to Las Vegas, um, oh. Air Force family. So we hop around a good bit. Michelle's uh. so excited because we're finally going to be in the same time zone. I know. I um, was thinking about that when I saw you post that I thought, oh, she and Michelle get to be in the same closer at least. I don't even know. I, <laughs> shenanigans will ensue. Um, <laughs> even, even more than usual. Um, yeah. So... I've been teaching as long as, well, I've been teaching for a while, probably 15 years, um, uh, bachelor's and master's in vocal performance, um, grew up in a musical family and it just sort of, um, 
I, I have always loved singing, obviously been singing since I was a wee little person and, um, grew up and sort of as we, as we moved through the various places that the air force had us living, um, there were often pretty bleak places where arts opportunities were limited. So I just sort of cr began creating my own. So pretty much everywhere we lived, I would set up a studio and start teaching and, uh, found that i loved it a lot more than I thought I would, which I think is a, a common tale for a lot of singers who transition into teaching and into building their own studios and, um, and really developed a, a joy in helping. I'm so sorry. I'm looking at your coffee mug, Nick. <laughs> That's amazing. It's the infinity stones. <laughs> I've, I've already lost the space stone. It's okay. This was Chris oh, Sarah's was Christmas gift power. to me. That's fantastic. I anyway, feel like you did that to be distracting. That wasn't very nice. That is. Sorry. Moving on. Anyway, I just found that I really loved teaching. And um, so now, wherever we move, I just start a voice studio and awesome. um, create opportunities for people wherever we are. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty, pretty short. I don't know. I'm just curious because um, I know you have your own, you know, brand of Sand Dollar. Will that come with you to Vegas or will that stay behind in Ohio? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Yes. So Sand Dollar Music is, uh, it's unlike any studio that I, that I know of. So it's a collaborative studio. So, uh, my partner, Sarah Robertson is a flute teacher oh. and we developed, and we developed Sand Dollar together. So it's two independent studios that are co-branded. And then, um, I, I have now brought on another teacher, Coleman Clark, who we'll talk about later when we talk about collaborative teaching. And then my uh, my partner, Sarah, has has brought on another flute teacher as well. So we're sort of expanding into multi-locations. So here within Dayton, we have multiple locations that we teach out of. And yes, when I uh, when I move to Vegas, it's going to be the ultimate multi-location studio. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's because awesome. uh, it will it will remain here in Dayton, and then yeah, there will be a Las Vegas branch as well. Fantastic. Well, expanding again, expanding, not even changing demographics, just expanding, right? Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to to move to Vegas and and serve the singers there. Um, being in this particular iteration of our studio model, like I have learned so much from the kind of singer that, you know, Michelle talks about this all the time. When you get really really clear on the kind of singer you want to serve and on how you want your business to work, they find you and you level up in your teaching in this beautiful way because the right teacher is working with the right singer. And there's this beautiful partnership that happens when you get so clear on what you love to teach and who you want to serve. So I'm excited to go to Vegas and figure out what the singers there are like and hopefully maybe sing a little bit myself too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Fantastic. Um, yeah. I, I have... Uh, some friends on the faculty at UNLV. So um, oh, have to great. make sure that you know them. Um, if we're all yeah. in, in Knoxville this summer, I'll make sure I introduce you. Um, well, she knows Kimberly already. I figure yeah. as much. So Yeah, yeah I love Kim. Um, yep, perfect. Kimberly. Sorry, she goes by Kimberly. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Okay, awesome. And, uh, you know, I love the sort of images that you just evoked in that little uh, introduction because you really sort of set up the idea of like growth mindset and sort of not having scarcity mindset, which is I know something that Michelle uh, is definitely a uh, proponent of getting rid of scarcity mindset. So Michelle, tell us, remind the vocal fam who you are <laughs> and a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. 
everyone. Lovely to be with you again today. Uh, my name is Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, and I own Faith Culture Kiss Studios for voice and acting. And I'm the founder of the Speakeasy Cooperative, which is a subscription community mastermind group for independent voice teachers, uh, where we battle scarcity mindset and uh, leveling up into awesome sauce. So uh, those are very technical terms. <laughs> it's important that you know that. Awesome Highly sauce trademarked. is, is, Industry is very, terms, yes. very, very technical. A lot of business strategy in that. Mm-hmm. A lot of business strategy in the awesome sauce and the mojo. Oh, well. So um, very specific, specific things to speak of. So uh, what, uh, what, what? how did I start teaching? I mean, I was one of those people that um, voice teachers now, you know, hate because I started like teaching my friends in high school. Uh. Um, how dare <laughs> you? How dare I? Um but I was really good at it. Like I, I knew I was kind of the backwards person where I started a singer. I started a performer, but I really wanted to be a teacher, but you know, I'm old. So back in the day, you, there was no such thing as like a vocal pedagogy degree. If you wanted to teach you, you had, it was like, you could not start teaching until you were already a performer. So I came to, performing because I wanted to teach. But I knew within six months of my first voice lessons journey, I'm like, oh, this is the thing I want to do. And it makes sense, you know, because I also direct and lead. It's more of a a mentor position than the, the singing was for me at the time. So but then I've been, you know, I finally got my act together and did all my studying and got all my ducks in a row, <laughs> you know, so that I could be um, an effective teacher uh, over the last 20, 20 some years or so. And um, yeah, and I've been running a studio. Gosh, I got all official in like uh, 2008 when I decided to go ahead and be legal. Uh, but, you know. Was teaching a long, a long time before that. So, I'd like to point out that she, she did not get licensure. There's still no licensure to teach voice lessons, just no. just for for what it's worth. Um, but but I'm assuming you mean legal from oh. tax perspectives. Legal from a tax perspective and business perspective. Huh. I made sure right. that my business entity was solid in the market. Um, that's awesome. And I will just say, just hearkening back to it just one more time, if you want to go back and listen to Michelle's episode, there are multiple really cool things about it. And we're going to hear more about Speakeasy here in just a second. But um, one of my favorite moments of Vocal Fry is sort of the 10 minutes or so when Michelle starts interviewing me in that episode <laughs> about why I still support higher ed and why I sort of like about dissertations and about doctoral studies. And it's actually a really great conversation. It's one of my favorite conversations that we've ever had on Vocal Fry. And Michelle and I were both, we were so dead tired because it was Monday afternoon of national. And uh, and she was so gracious even to sit down with me because again, Vocal Fam, Register for Nats and Knox, April 1st, <laughs> early registration deadline. But also, make sure your hotel is near the conference center because you you're going to need a nap. I always I'm just trying nap. to coach Y'all everybody. Y'all had that naps. What's that? Y'all had that interview. You had that interview at Nats Vegas. In- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how we could, Miss Cheryl, we could barely. I don't remember you doing that. We were roommates, and I don't remember her doing that. We could barely uh. stand. I remember nothing about that week. 
Yeah, exactly. I remember remember having to kick the speakeasy people out of our hotel room at like four in the morning because it was so bad. Michelle and I were, we were like leaning on each other to try to stand and finally, and I'm from Georgia. So I'm, I'm not the most direct person. And so (laughs) I, I, I kept I kept saying, well, thank y'all so much for stopping by. This has been so fun. Yeah, thank y'all so much. Okay. Nice thank y'all. Like, y'all have yeah. such a good night now. And finally, I just went up. I, I just went and opened the door and just stood out in the hallway and said, okay, all right. <laughs> right. Anyway, I, uh, great girl, times. So great I, times when the voice teachers get the party on. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. Um, anyway, we're looking forward to I'm seeing I'm really glad you that live. you had that experience. I did, I'm really glad for that feedback, Nick. I didn't know that that was a valuable experience for you. It was oh valuable for me, too. Thank goodness. you. It was fantastic. And then we'll talk about what else we talked about later. Um, cause, yeah. Because I'm, just, I'm, I'm reserving time now with Michelle that when Black Panther 2 comes out, because we had such a great <laughs> yes. conversation about Black Panther, or the original, that when it, the second one comes out, I'm already going to do her third appearance on the podcast. So we're already going to book that a year and a half out um, you you know what my calendar's filling up fast so we probably should we should book <laughs> that okay well i think i think uh as soon as marvel confirms that the february date is the date that it's going to happen then we'll when we'll book then it you'll know. um but uh okay so ladies tell us about because kristen i know you're involved in speakeasy too T- remind the vocal fam a about little. speakeasy and how that became a thing tell us a little bit about the genesis of that and then what you guys are now and what community you serve Oh, you want our origin story? Well, just a little bit. I mean, I don't need the. the I don't need the, story, full, the movie. I mean, you this know. is like the little prequel before the movie. You know? So, so back in 2017. <laughs> so long I, ago. I, all of the three years. Yeah. yeah. That was the Way year we. That back. was the year we launched too. So 17 feels like forever ago to me. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 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 Well, so um, I I met Michelle through. The prof- what is it? PVT, professional voice teachers, whatever. Oh, that's how we all right. met. That's how we met because I I was getting sick all the time and I was losing my voice because I had chronic colds. Thanks, Dayton, Ohio. And um, I I posted bad. this random thing about hey, can somebody help me? I'm hoarse all the time. Like I I've done all the things. What can I do? And this very kind person commented and said, you know. I, can we just hop on zoom and talk about it? I've got some steam and some straws and I'd love to show you what I do with them. And I was like, okay, internet stranger, <laughs> right, we're not right. supposed to do this. <laughs> we're okay. Not supposed you to weird friends. stalker. Get into the van. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I know what it sounds like. You know, just, I am so candy. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> Michelle and I hopped on zoom and she spoke completely she, in vocal she, fry. She, <laughs> I'm sorry. She spoke completely in vocal fry. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, um, and she's, she's walking me through straw phonation and then she starts business coaching me and telling me all of the, like all the amazing potential that she sees in my studio and my teaching and my this and my that. And I'm like, how, okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Can we please clarify that I did not impose this upon no! you. Oh my gosh! No! 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 Oh, no! No! Because it sounds like, and all of a sudden, she was just like, "Bam!" B word. This is what we're here for. Oh no! No, no I mean it, and I mean it in the most lovely. She was so generous and 
made time out of her busy life to make friends with this rando in PVT. Like she did not have to do that, but she was, she was so kind and, and, you know, like we're sitting there doing straws and blowing bubbles and sniffing steam. And then she, you know, we're talking about studios and, um, and, and she tells me, you know, I've got this thing that I'm thinking about doing and I, and I, I wonder if you might be interested it's this group for independent voice teachers. And, you know, and she starts telling me about what, what would become the speakeasy. And I'm like, well, I'm not much of a joiner. I don't really do things like that, but it sounds great. <laughs> God bless you in that. <laughs> and, uh, a month later I joined, um, about, about three months later, I think I was the third, third or fourth person to join. I don't know. About three months later, I sort of, I sort of wiggled my, I sort of created a job for myself. I started functioning as community manager just because that's my personality. And I just kind of, um, busted in there and just started doing things. And then we, Michelle graciously created a job for me. Um, and so now I function as community manager and, um, I, I coach people. I help them write their copy. Um, I help with some mindset things, that sort of thing. When Michelle does, um, her how to run program, I serve as one of the coaches for that. But yeah, um, Speakeasy has grown to what 105. I can never. Our membership is it's 115. 115. Like it continues to shift. I can't keep track. Yeah. Well, with churn, it's like between 100. But we have voice teachers all over North America now, represented in Australia, Germany, the UK, many, many, many in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where else sounds all lot, over the place. Sounds a lot like our listenership. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to serve independent studio teachers who, you know, for so long we operated as sort of lone wolves. And, and this is part of what we'll talk about in our, in our presentation too, for independent teachers, it can be such a lonely way of life yes. because at the end of the day, there's, there's no water cooler. There's nobody that you worked with. There's nobody to put your feet up with at the end of the day and go, oh my gosh, can you believe we did that? Or can you believe this? Or, hey, we did good work together today. There isn't that. And so the speakeasy sort of fills that void for people and gives that community of like, hey, I see you doing excellent work out there. Let me, let me help you. Let me partner with you. Let me champion you. Let me hold you accountable. And the way that people are leveling up in their, teach, in their pedagogy and in their business and their service is just incredible as a result. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Michelle, what do you want to add to that? <laughs> Nothing. Um, I us, mean, tell us a just little because bit. she's amazing. Sorry. Tell us a little bit about the then you guys did a speakeasy like conference, right? Yeah. Tell us about So we that. did speakeasy live last October. You know, me. Uh, well, one of our charter founding members, her name's Jennifer Blanton. She owns Fame Performing Arts in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And she's like, uh, I want to do a live event. And <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we shall not be Thank doing you, that <laughs> and um jennifer just kept saying i want to do it let's do it we can do it and you know this is the problem when you get a bunch of people who really enjoy growing things and building things and creating things and you put them in the same room it just stuff happens so <laughs> finally she had poke poke poked me long enough and she said we'll do it at my space i'll be the event coordinator we can be the events team and um, i really want you out here let's let's do it and so about a year before so in 2018 we said all right let's 
let's pull the trigger. Let's see what happens. And so what we decided to do is dip our toe in the water of live events. And um, the theme was thinking outside the studio. So during the day we used, um, because the way that I come to kind of the business coaching thing a little bit differently than other business coaches in the music studio space is that I very much draw on industries that are not music industries. So, um, even though I'm very familiar with like music voice, you know, business models and multi-teacher studio models and kind of the way that those things work, I use that as to inform the other things that I'm going to add to the way that a business can run because we're just in a different climate right now than um, what works. So thinking outside the studio during the day, uh, we did the business incubation stuff. We talked about planning, talked about um how to get your act together. And then at night we talked about um, learning. What is learning? And so we had three presentations from people who are speakeasy members Mm -hmm. uh, talking about learning, but from not from like, Hey, let's talk about voice pedagogy, but let's just talk about learning in general. What is it neurologically? What is Mm -hmm. it emotionally? What is it? And then um, we had one of our speakers had to kind of step away at the last minute. And one of our other members just stepped right in and gave a really cool talk on um, it. Meredith Colby did. And she gave a really cool talk on the neuro, the neurology of like CCM singing and stuff like that. Pop rock jazz stuff. So yeah, we did that. I learned a lot. I learned things that I will never do again. (laughs) And I learned things that I will do better next time. So that sounds right. it, it was great. Michelle, yeah. I mean, it's just was, like anything. I'm curious. What was of that? I, 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 I'm saying week because we were there for a week. The event itself mm-hmm. was a weekend, but of that time, what was the most meaningful part to you? Was, was there, I mean, I know it was such a blur for us because there were, it was some really late nights and stuff, but did, was there yeah. a moment or a presentation or yes. an interaction that was, yes. that really stands out to you? Yes. I can name it right now. So we did keyboard karaoke <laughs> where all all the voice teachers I, I don't be mad when I don't say it's the party party hat cat song. song. No, of course so not. um we had a member, I'm not gonna name the member because I don't know if they want the story told kind <laughs> I of know exactly what you're gonna nationally. say. Yeah. So we had a member who, when this member joined, they said they would never sing in front of voice teachers ever like that. It was never going to happen in their life. They would never do that. Why would they do that to themselves? Um, that they had been so ridiculed because of their, because they had in the past and these like extremely judgmental experiences and, um, woundedness around this. And, um, I mean, adamant, Lyman in the sand. And one of the things that Speakeasy does, this is why this is important to the moment, is mm-hmm. we have a channel in our Slack workspace called We Sing Too. And it's a space where we intentionally sing for each other. And um, yeah, we kind of brought it onto Facebook on accident. It it's just been, kind of blew it's up. It's been and, really beautiful watching you all sing on Facebook. I just have to say I, that. As an yeah, outside, well, Nick and Sarah, your turn's next. Yeah, yeah you got to do it. As an outside observer. But you no, can sing, you, but we should all do it. Like, this is the point, right? Is we don't sing for each other and we're yeah. voice teachers. Like we should be singing for love. The love is singing. Anyway. Um, and we come on post in there, you know, this is a safe space. You don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And never, ever, ever, never, never, never. I'm never going to do it. Line in the sand. Boom, boom, boom. And, um, this person, uh, got up at keyboard karaoke and sang us a beautiful Spanish art song. Mm-hmm 
that I I just lost it because to me that transformation of um, risk taking that healing whatever had to happen yeah. um, mm-hmm. in the time that that there was a renewed sense of um, trust in people and especially voice teachers and um, a new set of of strengths and like I want to do this I want to give of myself of my song was uh, that was the probably the most um, impactful moment for me because there was history behind it. it was like kind of a pinnacle moment um, but I gotta tell you it's it's pretty cool to watch people come up with a dream and then you help them figure out how it's gonna happen and they're just eyes are like yeah oh my goodness this could be real like this this can happen. And isn't that the experience we have in our voice studios, right? When, when we guide a singer to yes. being able to do something with their voice that they just did not think was possible. So that's oh, my man. dopamine hit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I think I remember the person posting it about them, the, about it themselves. And it was, that's, that's a meaningful moment. I mean, there's no, there's no question. I mean, that's a, that's an, as someone who at one point of his own singing journey, was, uh, I don't think afraid is the right word, but was embarrassed to sing in front of people. Um, mm-hmm. and who now has his own YouTube channel, which feels, <laughs> feels very strange. Um, but no, that, that's absolutely, I mean, you know, I, I, I think sometimes, I think also sometimes the, the beautiful thing about that is a lot of times when we're doing things, like you guys are doing your own thing, you know, like you've created a thing and, 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 and whatever. And sometimes when you create a thing, it takes a while to see the seed grow into a seedling, yeah. you know? Preach. Did you see my Facebook post this morning? I yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, you know, not I, sometimes all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> And I, yeah, I talked about it when I talked when I when we did our episode on my voice journey. I, I brought this up, but I'm just going to say it again because I actually listened to it again this weekend. There's a great sermon that I listened to. Now I'm going to keep going back to it over and over again. It's called "The Blessing of Both," and it talks about like you don't understand sort of the joy of seeing the tree grow if you if you actually didn't have to go through the pain of having the seed be in a dark place in the ground, where is actually yeah. where the growing actually starts. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if, if you don't know what it's like in that dark, wet place, you kind of don't know what it's like on the other side. And so I, and I also just love people who go out and do their own thing and they do it with people that they do it with the right people and then they just keep doing it. And I think yeah. it's such a lesson for all of us, w- whether we're going to run our own business or just, you know, whether that is just our own private studio or you're involved in some other organization. And it's been a thing we've tried to do with Vocal Fry mm-hmm. of just find the right people to do it with, keep doing something you love and then just keep doing it. And wow. eventually, it, I mean, it, it now I was just telling someone this week, I feel like um, I feel like like our thing has just become this boulder that now is rolling down a hill that I can't stop. Um, mm. so, I mean, that's, that's just, it's time for systems. Uh, what systems. Is, I don't know what that what means, that mean? but yeah. okay. I, call me. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it that you're on brand. So, um, so tell me about how this whole co-teaching thing came about because yeah. you're going to give a presentation at National, and Michelle, w- w- I do want to also give you a moment to mention your 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 pre-conference too. But, but tell us oh, about right. this idea of like sort of collaborative teaching and how how you came to that, why you came to that, and maybe like a preview of what you know someone might experience if they come to your session at National. Great. You want Michelle, to- do you want to- uh, no, take it away. <laughs> bip, bip, that, bip, yep. Um, yes. So the, the presentation itself, there's a lot of, let me rephrase this. Let me restart. So you know how I mentioned that teaching voice in an independent studio can get kind of lonely. Yes. Yes. Michelle and I are social animals. We don't care for that. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, So we have both found ways to bring other teachers into our studios or collaborate with them or um, outsource to other experts in the field Mm -hmm. um, because we want to build partnerships and and bridge gaps. I, I think that as independent teachers, we sort of feel this pressure of we need to know it all and be it all. And that ends up this is going to sound harsh and I don't mean for it to, but that ends up sometimes in things not being done as well as they could be. When, if we would own the things that we're good at and refer out to the things that we're less awesome at, mm-hmm. then magic can happen. And our Two students, up. our students can get what they need. That's awesome. So, um, and you know, but we there, there's a lot to unpack there, and I don't know if we have time to get into all yeah, that. Please, but go there's ahead. a lot of there's a lot of you know, voice teachers have a lot of feelings and a lot of insecurities around admitting, I don't know this, yeah. but you know who might is my buddy so and so. So we're gonna give them a call, or we're gonna hop on Zoom, or I'm gonna give you their address, or whatever. Um, but when we do that, when we're willing to own what we don't know and refer out or bring somebody in or what have you, that models such growth and openness for our students because it makes it okay for them to go, I don't have the answers either. It makes it okay for them to ask questions. It makes it okay for them to own their own pedagogy and step outside and get the help and the resources that they need. So um, when Michelle and I talk about this at Nats, there's, we're going to explore three different way, three different models that this can look like. So for it, it, in my studio, that's taken on its particular feel in Michelle's studio, it's taken on a, a feel. And then in the speakeasy itself, there's a way that we manifest this. So, um, I can definitely speak to what it looks like in my studio. And then, um, I, I think Michelle has a different way that she, Mm-hmm. collaborates with local coaches and teachers. So in my studio, you, I don't know if you, you've probably seen on the social medias because I like, I like to make memes. <laughs> and so yes, I, I've I'm, seen them. <laughs> so I, I make a lot of dumb memes of, of me and my team teacher. Um, but yeah, so what happened was about a year ago, I met this guy named Coleman Clark and he was a, he's a vocal performance and music ed major here at Wright State University. And, um, we, I, I, he's a, he's a, he's a, he was, was, he is a good pianist, uh, in addition to being a singer. Mm -hmm. 
And so I brought him in one day to play for my students. Cause I had like nine lessons back to back. And I was like, eh, I'm always looking to meet more pianists. Let's, let's bring him in and see if, you know, let's, let's test his sight reading skills. Here's some Sondheim. Mm. <laughs> so I just gave him, I just gave him Sondheim and Jason Robert Brown all day. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> And he didn't know it, but it was a test. <laughs> I mean, cool test. you know, it's the thing cool with JRB test. is you can leave out a lot and play a lot of the JRB stuff pretty easily. Ah, sorry. Hold on. Right. Sorry. Well, at least JRB gives you chord symbols, unlike Sondheim. R- yeah. e- exactly. Yes. That's true. That's true. Uh, Sondheim, anyway. they're fighting. Oof. Sometimes you just pull up app companist and that's that, <laughs> really yes. that more. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, so it was, it was such a lovely day um, because I realized I, I could see his face light up and he was a junior uh, at the time. And um, I, 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 I could see him kind of, I could see the wheels turning and I could see him getting excited about what I was teaching. And I could see his enthusiasm growing when he would, when he would see a student, you know, get it. Yeah. And, and so then I started realizing, well, he's savvy. Let me just start, let me bring him into this. And I have not, I had not trained or mentored any teachers before. Um, and, and so I would just, you know, a singer would do something and I would flip it on and be like, all right, Coleman, what do you think? And he would just, he was so into it. And he, he brought an energy and a way of thinking that was different from me because anytime, I mean, anytime we bring somebody into our studios, who's not us, they're going to bring a different perspective and it's going to be awesome. So we developed kind of an internship where he, he trained with me for a year and, um, we, he would come in and shadow lessons and then play for lessons. And so in that year we did, I, I mean, we did everything. We ran the gamut. So we did pedagogy. We did uh, repertoire. We talked about developing voices. We talked about aging voices. We talked about business models. We talked about marketing. We talked about anatomy and physiology. We talked breath. We talked teaching um, a variety of styles. We talked, I mean, I, like I, anything, classical rep, pop, CCM, musical theater. Like we talked about all of it. And, um, and so for a year we just, he, we did a deep dive and I mean, and it was a true apprenticeship. And um, during that time, I realized he's got it. He, I mean, Lord, compared to where I was when I was 21, oh my gosh, he is light years. Goodness gracious. And so quickly it, it got to the point where I was like, you, you know what you're talking about. Just teach the lesson yeah. or just teach it with me. And, um, and I asked him, we, he and I were talking about this the other day. And I said, when did you know you were ready to legitimately start teaching voice? And he said, well, I realized I would think something about a singer and then you would say it. And he was like, and this kept happening. Uh, and then he realized no. like, I have your, he was like, I realized I had your voice in my head. And I was like, actually you have my voice teacher's voice in your head because it's her voice that's in my head. So, <laughs> cause you know, we all teach like our teachers mm-hmm. and uh, anyway. And so, um, in the past, maybe six to eight months, he and I have begun truly tag teaming in lessons. And it is so cool because with higher level singers, they're getting two sets of ears, two sets of eyes. They're getting somebody who can play for them. And then they're getting somebody who can watch them. And then they're getting somebody who can really listen out for diction or really listen out for phrasing. You know, it's, um, it's a really exciting thing because the, the, the diagnostics can happen so much faster 
and we can so much more quickly get to the heart of helping them achieve what they want to achieve. And also within that, we're modeling deference to each other. We're modeling collegiality and respect. We're also, and this is something that I think is really important. And he and I were talking about this yesterday. We're modeling how a male and a female identifying person, we're modeling how people who identify as a man and a woman can be equals on complete equal footing and be deferential and kind and show absolute respect and humility with each other. And I think for our singers, I work with a lot of high schoolers Mm -hmm. and I want them to see, I want them to see women in leadership and I want them to see a man who is not afraid of working with women in leadership. And I want them to see us sort of flowing back and forth, bouncing ideas across with no, no hesitation and with complete trust in assuming the best of each other. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I mean, now, Michelle, I saw that you had presented with someone else on this at Western Nats or something at Region this this fall. Oh yeah, Eric, Doctor Eric Hood, and I. He's at he's in low at Lo, in Logan, Utah at uh, Utah, State. Utah State, and um, Cindy Dewey is there too. Yeah. Man, such freaking amazing humans I get I get to collaborate with. So we took it, um, when we spoke at CalWest Regionals, we took it more from how can academia and independent studio models uh, collaborate. Oh, okay. okay. So okay, okay. that's um, that was kind of like a little spin, like how do, how do these two groups of people, what do they need to be aware of and what do they need to understand when they're asking or collaborating with the other side so that there can be a respectful conversation there? Um, so that's kind of the other way we looked Sorry. at it. Are you suggesting that it's not always a respect? Sorry. Okay. Moving on. It was a joke. Uh, sorry. Moving on. I would never suggest anything. I would just say it flat out. There is oftentimes <laughs> not a mutual respect between independent studio owners and academic teachers. I, Boom. I would just like to say that this academic has a lot of respect and mutual admiration for independent studio owners. But anyway. Oh, I'm on. talking both ways. No, I'm saying mm-hmm. both ways. Well, that's because like, you guys I, think I, we're all old fuddy-duddies. No, 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 no. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, like, well, this is what we talked about, right? Like, what one of, one of the parts of our presentation was what are the assumptions? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the assumptions that I'm making about academia? What are, what are the assumptions academics are making about independence? And it was really cool conversation to see people kind of shifting in their chairs and getting a little squirmy. <laughs> you know, when you say when you say something like, you know, academics tend to assume that independents don't know as much as they do. Yeah. Or independents tend to assume that academics get everything funded for them and that nothing comes out of their own pocket. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Right. Exactly. But it was just it was so. And then we talked about literal ways that we can be more collaborative and use each other's skill sets and each other's, um, you know, things that we bring to the voice world. So that was that presentation. Awesome. So yeah. how do you do collaborative teaching in your studio? I'm more of a 
what I do is I have a bunch of teachers that I trust, that I love to work with, that do things way better than I do in certain areas. So um, I'm very much about, and I do this with my business clients too, and my even my singing clients, but very much about like, what is your zone of genius? And what do you love doing? What are you really, really great at? And then when you have a need that you're, that's not your zone of genius, find someone else that is that and send them. So what I do is I have a model where my my students pay um, either a tuition or a value-based rate. And if I need them to do something that I'm not an expert at, I will book the session for them with oh, the other teacher. Fantastic. Okay. So, um, and then I pay the other teacher, you know, a negotiated, usually it's just whatever they charge, yeah, you know, yeah, I just yeah. say, Hey, how much is it? Um, so I serve kind of like the mothership oh. and then, um, you know, sending people out into other places. So I have Marissa Athos, my French and my uh, French and Italian and German diction coach. And then I have a CCM person that I work with who's not in Nats or anything like that. And then I have, um, who else is on this roster? Oh, I have like a couple coaches like audition coaches that are for high level musical theater yeah. stuff, just mm-hmm. because I'm not in the market anymore as yeah. much. So it's like, oh, okay, I can coach you in this. We can get this all ready and vocally efficient and then go and just polish this thing up over with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I do this um, nationally. So I, um, I don't just have the local teachers that are on that I want people to have sessions with, but I say, this is who I want you to talk to. They're in Chicago. This is who I want to talk to. This, they're in New York, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Cause as you know, I'm big into the online model and being able to serve people. It's just, you get to find the best of the best when the markets opened up via online. So yeah, that's how I do it. So it's more like putting people in touch with, you know, one of Sense. my, I'm, I'm in a little work group, I guess that's what we call ourselves. And um, one of us posed the question last week to all of us, like, what can you self-identify one of your own blind spots? Like basically just asking us, can mm-hmm. you even do it? And I immediately like raised my hand and I was like, diction. Oh. <laughs> I just don't care. Um, <laughs> Well, and I say that as a joke. Okay, it's fine. (laughs) I say that as a joke. I mean, I do care, but I mean, I don't care about it at the level of efficient production, resonance, acting choices. Like, these are the things that I really care about. I would, you know, those are sort of the focus of my teaching. And I'm totally you know, admitted that I'll easily let French diction or German diction slide. Not so much Italian because I sing too much Italian. So <laughs> it, it, that's a, that's a personal thing. But anyway, yeah. I, I just, no, I think this is going to be great. Or, I mean, you know, I love the fact too, Michelle, sort of when you were talking about you and Eric presenting that people were shifting in their chairs a little bit. I mean, you know, you could see a little bit of that at national, I think. I mean, depending on who comes to the session. Oh, we're very excited about that. I think that's just fantastic. (laughs) I mean, well, even I will say uh, Coleman and I have both gotten side eye from, from even people in the area when they find out, Oh yeah, you're teaching because we have this, we have this very old mindset of there is one voice teacher for one student. And if you bring, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen is confusing and la 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 la. And I hate that. 
And, and so, it, you know, you, you, you can't possibly learn technique from two different people. And it's like, well, if, if both of those people know what they're talking about, maybe you probably can. Um, can I say something about that too, please? Do you know what I don't like about that too? Is like, I'm sorry, but students are smart. Yeah. Students are smart. They are not dumb. Singers are not dumb. And what I don't like about this one teacher, one student model, it works for some some students that ju- that's just better for them. But what I don't like about it is it assumes a lack of competence in being able to make decisions about their own voice. And that mm. to me is heck no mojo because like, no, we are there to build the singer in front of us to work ourselves out of a job. Yes. <laughs> And in today's culture, today's, uh, the way the internet culture, the, 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 everything is at your fingertips culture to say, you can only study with me is arrogant. And it assumes that the student cannot make a good decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. And yep. that really bugs me that we, that it's, it's like taking an autonomy away from a singer. And it is. so I got really spicy about that. I, right think, it's, I think it's even more than taking the autonomy away from a singer. I think it's taking the autonomy away from a human. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's, 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 I mean, yeah, I, 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 I mean, because I think, t- you know, I think too often we see, uh, when I give my responsibility chair talk, it's 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 all about viewing the student as human, as a human, as a soul in front of you. Absolutely. Um, who who need who yes, who your job is to send them out the door anyway. And you know, I mean, I, I I've even come around uh, on a lot of my thinking on this in terms of like. Uh, I remember Matt Edwards posted a couple of weeks ago that they have at Shenandoah they have so many guest artists come in like and direct right you know every project's got yeah. a different guest director mm-hmm. and whatever and the students or master classes or just workshops or whatever mm-hmm. with industry leaders and the students would get stressed out because this person would give them this information and this person would give them this information mm-hmm. and and they might be conflicting but the thing that he sort of he sort of um posed his view on this uh, uh framed it as what he learned was that there isn't even a right or a wrong way to do a thing. There's just exactly. the way. There's just the way that that project's leader wants, wants you it. to do it. Yes. Um, May and- I offer a quote from my friend Mar- Michelle Marquardt Devoe, who often says, "It's not about <laughs> right or wrong. It's about weak and strong." Yes. Oh. You know. I mean, because in the end, I got quoted on a podcast. <laughs> But I mean, isn't that what our students are going to experience once they're out singing too? I mean, you work, let's say classical singing, you work with one conductor and you do Messiah and they allow you to do X, Y, and D ornamentation. And then you do Messiah again. It's the same music. Handel didn't rewrite it. Mm -hmm. And you try to do that ornamentation and the, the other conductor goes... That's dumb. Why would you do that? I mean, so you have to have, you know, some of this flexibility in in just your own music making. So, I mean, I think that's good, too. It trains resiliency in the singer. Mm -hmm. And it also trains them to ask for clarification Mm -hmm. rather than waiting for the gospel to be handed down to them from on high. Love it. Snaps. Snaps. 
you know, and, and, and Ooh. Coleman and I see this in lessons all the time when, you know, the, the rare times where we will disagree with each other. First of all, it is a wonderful thing for singers to see us disagree because we're kind, we're respectful. We ask each other for clarification. Can you phrase that a different way? I'm not, I'm not sure I understand. I mean, you know, it's, it's modeling yeah. conflict resolution in a really cool way, mm -hmm. but then it's also giving singers a chance to advocate for themselves. I don't understand. Can you rephrase the question? Can you help me understand what you're looking for? Can you present it in a different way? The, I mean, like you were saying, like you were saying, these are things that as humans, because it's never just about teaching singing, it's about teaching humans. These are things that we all need to be able to do in life. So we're giving opportunities for that to happen. And then mm -hmm. if they do go and have those two conflicting conductors, now they'll have the backbone and the language mm -hmm. to ask and advocate. Mm. Oh, that's that's a good word. Fantastic. That Kristen, is a good I, word. Kristen, I cut you off earlier when I asked if I could say something. Did you want to finish your thought? I'm sorry. I don't remember what it was. I'm sure it'll come back around. They always do. What? Did I cut you off? I think I cut you no, off. No, I just was like, hey, I want a word in edgewise. And then I took it. Sarah right. and I yell at each other all the time. That's so it's it's, it, 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 it's very, <laughs> very, very vocal fry. Michelle, yeah. give us just one yeah. minute on what, what your pre-conference workshop is going to be like if, if people come to that. I'm really excited. So um, it's obviously it's business stuff, but the perspective that I'm taking is where pedagogy meets profession. What I'm really excited about and what I'm doing now is a bunch of research and putting what I know about pedagogy and the way that we learn and the way that we teach. And then I'm finding the through lines and how that affects our business decisions. So as independent teachers, and then also, um, I would even say there, I designed it this way so that it could be also valuable for a curious um, university person or an adjunct professor or a tenure track professor. So not only that it could be something that they wore their glasses about how they run their studios within the system that they're in, but also uh, be a little bit aware about like, okay, my student might go on and be uh, teaching, you know, my, my, the student might go on and own a studio someday. So what I'm looking at is what do you believe about singing? What do you believe about teaching? What do you believe about communicating that? And then how is that manifesting in the way you run your business and the way you run your studio? Um, and so, like, an, would you like me to give you an example? Sure. Yes. Yes, please. Okay. So the one that I've been kind of harping on lately and really kind of um, playing around with is this idea of when we teach about um, high notes in a phrase, like a pinnacle note being very difficult. Right. So the singer goes, they go, they go. And then the high note is just kind of like a bleep show. Right. Um, <laughs> and and uh, here's the thing is that I think that most teachers uh, understand that it's never the high note. It's always mm -hmm. the three measures before. Yes, right. So so in our pedagogy, we know do not address the high note. Yeah. Do not address the symptom address what's leading up, address the problem, preparation, right? So wouldn't it behoove us to also treat our schedule that way? If we know Thursday is coming and Thursday is our long day and Thursday is the day we have back-to-back -back lessons and Thursday is the day we've got a you know, team meeting in the morning and a rehearsal at night. I feel attacked. Sorry. <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday? <laughs> 
in order to prepare for Thursday so that Thursday isn't always the thing that sends us into a spiral of, you know, dirt and sadness for Friday, Saturday and Sunday. That's a Kristen quote, dirt and sadness, by the way. Um, And so what if what if we we did that? What if we were intentional, essentially, and then understood that the preparation is just as important as kind of that difficult moment? Mm -hmm. And uh, that so that's just like one example. But and then how that would manifest for a business owner is, okay, how are you doing your scheduling? Where are you planning your tasks that feel emotionally heavy? Like maybe you don't like admin or maybe there's like, Mm -hmm. you know, bookkeeping or something. Why would you do that on Thursday? That's dumb because Thursday is your long day. So maybe you put that, you plan for that at a different time in your week. Um, You know, now this, this will require people to kind of get off the martyr bus because I think the other thing is that we like to feel like things are hard because in our culture, it is, you um, get a badge for that. Yeah. You get Mm -hmm. a badge for heart. I mean, it's Pelagius, right? Pull up your own bootstraps, but we don't like to remember that Pelagius was considered a heretic. So, you know, whatevs. By the way, Michelle has a background in theology, yeah, if you're not aware. I, that was a great, <laughs> that was a great drop. That was, <laughs> I, it just, just, just tumbled right out. It is so, who she is. Um, it's just who I am. Um, <clears throat> But all of that to say, I think it's going to be, that was more than a minute. Thank you for giving me more than a minute. And I think it's going to be a really fun conversation because whenever I do workshops, it's not luxury. So I've requested tables and chairs. We're going to be writing. I'll send out a workbook ahead of time. And I'm, I'm hoping that we get around 50 people. No, you know, and just really have some good conversations. I'm going to put people in groups because it's all about collaboration, you know, and I get to kind of tumble and guide people through their self-discovery process. So that's, I'm really excited so about it. So make sure really when you're booking your Nats and Knox travel that you come in Thursday, as Alan yes. Henderson suggested, yeah. so that you can go to one of these great pre-conference workshops like Michelle's mm-hmm. on Friday morning. Also, yeah. teaser I have a throwable microphone. She does. It's super cool. I mean... Like you throw it at people? Yes. And you catch it and then you talk into it and then you throw it to somebody else. Is it... Is it soft? Yes. Okay. I'm not important. You have to sign up for the pre-conference workshop. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how soft it is. (laughs) The throwable microphone. (laughs) Curiosity peaked. No, I'm very. I'm not. I'm not very athletic. I just see myself getting like hit in the face or something. I mean, it might happen. Charming. It might. It might, it might. I mean. <laughs> I mean, you know. It just keeps you on the edge of your seat. I get it. I there get were it. Multiple episodes in season one where you almost threw things at Michael because he was chewing into the microphone. Yes. Oh dear. Yes, he's yes. He's anyway. one of those people who just sit there and eat pistachios or something. Uh Okay, now we have one other thing to get to today because it's very important. Always. Um, and, and, and that is the fact that uh, Sarah and myself and oh, Kristen yes. are all massive Doctor Who fans. Oh, yeah. And yet she has not been able to convince Michelle to try out Doctor Who. So all before right. we wait, so, before we dive into anything, hold on. 
I, I need for all of us to go around the table really quickly and say two things. Two things, all three of us. Okay. One, who our doctor is. Not who oh. the doctor is, but who Ooh. our doctor is. And two, what episode should Michelle watch first to try oh. to get hooked? These are the two things that, and I'll start since I'm okay, throwing pause, this. Pause, 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 yes. pause. Okay. Michelle, Michelle's not a neophyte though. She has watched some episodes. I just can't remember which one. Okay, but like okay. which ones? Because that is important. Never mind. Never mind. I thought you would watch. Never mind. Never mind. We so, talked about it. We have talked about it because I feel, you know, like, I mean, it's like when you're a voice teacher and you don't know about belting. You just feel like you yes. don't know what you're supposed to know. Yeah. And it feels like a big world to get just into. Just where do you it get feel, in? Yeah. It feels like I'm a, I'm a geek and I'm just yet not good geek enough because <laughs> I have not watched Doctor Who. Um, In Michelle's but defense, I, but, she's watched a lot of pop culture things and can really speak to Star Wars and Marvel and even on the comic side of Marvel. So I just want to give her props to the Star vocal Trek. fan. And Star oh, yeah. Trek. And Battlestar Galactica. And BSG. And, and, oh, and. We all. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So... Okay, so, I, so so what I well Capaldi is my doctor. He will forever be my doctor, just because really he's anyway. <gasps> he basically is Capaldi. Like I honestly. have never heard anyone say that Capaldi with the war eyebrows. Okay, go on. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've never heard anybody claim him. Uh, I mean, there's no question. He literally um, is. Yeah, Cap yeah. I've probably doctor. given the Zygon inversion speech myself at yeah. times in life. Yep. Um, yep. But yep. Uh, <laughs> and then I would say, if you want to start, I, I actually think that that Matt Smith's first episode is a good place to maybe get you hooked. So go to the eleventh hour and in season five, and that's a good starting point. That's my recommendation because I know the other recommendation that everybody will give. But anyway, I, let, let's go around. Yeah, what, what do you think? I'm Sarah? taking notes. Okay, the other recommendation. Yeah, he knows what I'm going to say because it's the one I told him to watch. So I'll start with the episode that I tell people to watch. I always, I always tell people to watch Blink. First. No, that's what I was going to say. I know, because okay. it's a great hook episode. It's a great hook episode. It's like a nice standalone episode where you don't get any spoilers for everything else. And you really don't even have to know a lot about Doctor Who to watch it. it so it's really easy to step in and you just have this great episode that really is interesting and it's a good plot. And you just get hooked on it, but you don't have to know much in advance and it doesn't really spoil anything. So that's why I'm always like, oh yeah, go watch Blink. And, and your doctor. But it, my doctor, this is a really hard thing for me because like on the one hand, I'm always like, oh, my doctor's probably 10. It's probably 10. But then I say and I'm like, oh, but I love nine. And like, is it possible? Because nine was my first doctor. And so I have this I have this loyalty to nine. But then 10 is 10. And I just love him in Rose. And so I probably have to say 10. I know that's like a everybody's kind of thing. But yeah. Okay, Kristen. Well, I, I, I'm with you, Sarah. I think I think that Blink is such a great episode mm -hmm. for another reason also, which is that you get, um, e even though it's a standalone, you get the Weeping Angels, yes. which turns out to be a huge part of the Matt Smith era. True. So it's canon and it's really important. Like they are such an important part of that plot line yeah. that's coming and so even though it's a standalone it, it is it's a foundational episode in sort of the culture of the weeping angels and it's, it's got that such great horror vibe but um okay so, so i i am exactly okay so i knew this question was coming because <laughs> when you talk doctor who 
everyone's question to. is, okay, who's, who's your doctor? doctor? Um, and so I, I am right there with you. Michelle's laughing so hard right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, I'm delighted in a way that I have not been delighted in like seven hours. <laughs> seven hours. She's, had a, very, she's had a very good weekend, y'all. Um, but I, I'm right there with you in being torn between nine and ten. I wow. I mean, who, who among choice. us, who among us is not just chronically obsessed with David Tennant? And if you've ever in love with him. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Hard yes. Well, that's I mean, because David Tennant is the doctor. The question then just is who is your doctor i mean I, <laughs> right um i i i will say and i know a lot of people did not love him i loved christopher Eccleston. i loved christopher Eccleston. brought i mean and then when you start to understand the through line and that mm-hmm. his doctor had just come out of the time wars yes. right and so he this rage with him and the, you know and as the sort of uh, canon unfolds, you understand why he was just such a pill all the time because of what oh, yeah. he had just had to do. But at the same time, um, he's goofy. You know what I mean? He's just always making really like corny jokes. And I love that. Oh, he's lovely. And so, um, yeah, so I think Blink would have, Blink would have been my answer. However, Sorry. um, <laughs> you know, you're fine. I totally agree. But, um, I think I would have to then say the empty child slash the doctor dances. Oh, That's a good the one. Dances. That's a good one. Ah. Yeah, yeah. But you have to watch them both. Like, yes, of that's, course. That's, that's, that's a two party. You got to watch them both. Oh, that speech at the end of Everybody Lives, Rose. Mm. This time, Everybody oh. Lives. I love it. I, that was my first. Um, that's the, I feel like that's the first epic doctor speech that you get. Mm. And that's the first time you really see this, this creature's love for humanity, this creature's love for the earth and um, his, his pain and the sort of chronic struggle that he has experienced and, and the, the shock and sheer joy that just this one time, everything's going to go right. It never goes right. But finally this one time, anyway, um, I would say the empty child, and also empty child has that total horror movie vibe that, it like, does. if you don't know what, it's it's really scary the first time you watch it. So, yes. empty child and the doctor dances two parter. Oh, yeah. what That's a, good a phenomenal That's a- answer! That's an answer uh, that I've That's been looking one. for. So, Michelle, there, those are your in inroads right there. Those are our recommendations. And the only thing I else I would say about an inroad is if you go the whole way back and start with season nine, uh, well. Do- ninth, sorry, Do- the, the Ninth, ninth Doctor, Doctor, Series 1 of Modern Who. Yeah. The only thing I would say is just be aware <laughs> they had no budget. A few of those like, first episodes. When they started, BBC gave them no budget because they had no idea if it was going to make or not. And so... Some of those, that for, especially the very first episode, I tell people, I was like, don't. Please don't let the first episode of Doctor Who be Whoa. that first episode of series one of the like, reboot. Like, don't judge the whole reboot from cer- that episode. Certainly, Michelle, okay. you watch Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Of course. Right. So, I mean, let's go back to season one of Next Gen and how... I I, I have a lot of room for low production value when good. the story is good, good. and, and the acting is decent <laughs> and <laughs> that you can see... I, I mean, I get it. Like, you can see that the director of photographer was like, this is going to be interesting, you know? Oh. And 
So I have a lot of room for low production value. I mean, I work in youth theater. Of course, I have a lot of room for low production value. Yeah, exactly. Well, that bodes well for the series one of the Doctor Who reboot for it, you. It, <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's, it's an investment worth taking. I mean, like Sarah, for example... Sarah had not started watching Star Trek until not. we had to podcast about Star Trek Picard, and so she's been binging Ooh, Next Gen. I have. How you I get, have. are you through season five yet or not? You still I don't know. I'm not five. paying attention to like I. I just honestly, <laughs> this is terrible. It just it just keeps going. Like I just have on it on play. Like I just push play, push pause, push play, push pause. I'm not looking at um, episode titles or anything like that. I recently got to watch the episode where you first meet Hugh. Which, of course, <gasps> then made watching... This week's yeah. Picard? Yep. I don't, sorry, we don't want to give away any spoilers yep. if, if you're not caught up on Picard. We don't want to give... So I don't... You know, it's really funny because I... You know, I used to work in film and television and like it's like such a... This is just something that I love so much. But since having small humans oh. and um, no time, I, I don't watch... Like, I don't watch TV anymore. And so when I do watch TV... Um, it's highly intentional and it's like me and my husband pick one show and yeah. we're like, this is what it's yep. like our little date night. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is what we're going to do. And so we watch one show, probably like three episodes every Friday night until we're done with that series. So here's why it gets tricky is the shows that we both want to spend our time watching together. Yeah sometimes cause us to find a whole new genre of television that neither of us would like go to right away. So can I throw out a um, recommendation that has nothing to do really with science would, fiction would though? Totally would fine. love to. Yes. So um, on Netflix, have y'all watched money heist? Mm. No. Okay. No. So this is a Spanish television show. You can get it either with subtitles or dubbed. But this show, y'all, there's th there's uh, two seasons with a third coming up. It take if you watch the de the voiceover dub version, it takes a few episodes to kind of like get into that, um, be be okay with that, you know, because it, yeah. it's not lining up with their mouths and everything. And but the acting in this thing, the cinematography, the storyline, the uh, it's an ensemble cast, and it is. It's just a really cool story and um, and it's great. It's great filmmaking. It's great acting. And I, I really am like, I'm really excited. Season three is going to come out, but a uh, money heist. Oh, is cool. a, right. There you go. Vocal United fam. States name of it. For those of you who Fantastic. desperately yeah. listen to us and love us very much, but aren't really into sci-fi and Yvonne, I'm looking at you <laughs> money heist on Netflix. There, 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 it's, it's a, yeah, it's a heist. So it's um, a heist thing. Just going back to Doctor Who for a second, Kristen. How did we feel about uh, series twelve? Uh, I'll just say it, and I hate to say it. I was not. I was. I was disappointed. I wasn't thrilled. It, it felt. It felt. It felt jumbled to me. I didn't I feel that. like. I didn't feel like there was a real clear through line. They set it up and to have a story arc, and then it didn't. Like, it was like it started, and then just nothing. And then all of a sudden, bam, yeah. here's the end of it. And, yeah. So right. That. That's mm. – thank you. I, and I will say I love Jodie Whittaker. I, I love Jodie Whittaker's yeah, doctor. Her 
her take on the the thing that I love that she brings out about the doctor's character mm-hmm. is she to me really embodies the doctor's sense of wonder and whimsy. Yes. yes. You yeah. totally get that like quirky um just delight in all of the you humans i just i endlessly del- you know whereas capaldi has the completely justified you freaking idiots kind of <laughs> yeah. thing you know cuz that old, is also true tragedy scotsman yeah. right yeah. but jodie whitaker's don't, doctor don't give me is side just eye. <laughs> but jodie whitaker's doctor help. she's she's just amused and you know everything about this this doctor's experience is just awe and wonder and yeah. i i i think that there, there's so much that we can extrapolate from that about, you know, how if, if we approach difficult situations with the same sense of wonder that this doctor has, how much better off would we be? Oh, but I love it. no, this this season was a hard one for me to love. I'll be honest. I and um, I, I I'm going to go. So we're all musicians. So I'll are we are we talking spoilers or like are we talking? Oh, I think sure. we're spoilers. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. all no, seen we, it. We've yeah we've You've reviewed, had your we've, time re- to watch we've it. reviewed most of the episodes. People Sarah and I will probably tag on something about our official review. Yeah. in, in the coming weeks. I'm so but. curious. I'm so curious to hear your thoughts. But uh, and actually, the whole time I was watching it, I, I, I kept thinking, okay, I gotta I gotta figure out what Nick and Sarah are gonna say about this. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> well, I I think Sarah's I'm, a little bit more aligned with you. I am. Are you? I liked this. I liked this season more than last season, which was not hard okay. to do at all in my books because I did not care for last season. But I felt like so much of the writing and so many of the episodes was so so forced and so in my face. I don't mind episodes of a TV show having a message. I like it. I like when there's more to it, but I don't like it to be like hitting me over the head with it. I like it to be a little more subtle and integrated and nuanced. Whereas this was just like, bam, plastic in the ocean, plastic in birds. I didn't like that episode. Thank you. That is exactly, that was exactly (laughs) my take. That's what it was. Sarah, I literally sat on my couch and I was like, I recycle doggone it yeah I like <laughs> me. what else do you want well I also Listen, felt like Christian, I'm doing my best and it's like preaching to the choir the majority of people watching Doctor Who recycle have no issue with recycling and reducing plastic and waste so why are you trying to be like this is a bad thing we need yes we are all on the same page with you why are you yelling at me yeah. about it so that was it, my it, totally, it felt like you were getting slammed in the head. Yeah. Yes. And then the episodes the that had these great <clears throat> nuanced like introductions of plot, they introduced it and then you just don't see it again until the finale. Like there was no hinting at it through the episodes. But those episodes that had it, like I wanted to love them. And there were things about them I loved, but I just felt like as a whole, it was missing something. So yes. I'm so the glad to hear that that was your take on that it. That was me, though. I know I know you liked it more than I think well, I did. Well, I'll just leave it with this. Uh, um, you know, one of the things that running a pop culture podcast teaches you is you end up learning to need to see everyone. And, mm-hmm. for example, I'll relate it back to Star Wars. I loved Last Jedi so much that I had trouble mm-hmm. seeing people at first who didn't love Last Jedi. I remember that. <laughs> and I didn't understand 
Um, and so like when we when we did our uh, return Rise of Skywalker yeah. review, we went <clears throat> in knowing that we all felt differently about we the sure movie, did. and that helped us, I think, give a one a better, more well-rounded perspective, and also just realize that we need to see our entire audience. Um, I actually loved series twelve. I thought it was my did favorite you? series at least since series nine, which is my favorite series of Modern Who. Um, cool. I don't know that it's the quality of series five uh, or the quality of maybe series four or, Mm -hmm. and certainly not for me, series nine, but, but you personally enjoyed it, but I would (laughs) rank it in my, in my top five of the 12 series. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with the stuff about the preachy stuff and all that kind of stuff. But, but I, I just, I, I think I, I loved 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 the finale and i also really loved did you i thought it was just fantastic i had a few question for you yes question for you okay so how did you feel about this master i love sasha dewan sasha dewan i did like the master i do like the master i will say that here's my frustration i felt like sasha dewan and michelle is just bored out of her mind right now (laughs) we're almost done michelle i'm doing some work you're multitasking i felt i love sasha dewan as an act oh 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 and this is kind of going off track here Mm -hmm. i will say this most recent iteration of Doctor Who, now that we have Jodie Whittaker, I am loving the beautiful diversity in the cast. Yes. Oh, because that is nice. yeah. um, not only are we seeing uh, gender, like diversity in gender and race, but we're also seeing age diversity because we mm-hmm. have Graham and we have this beautiful, like multi generational friendship and respect and camaraderie. Yes that is is so charming and so like wouldn't it be lovely if we could all function this way with each other um but i i loved sasha duan as the as the master my frustration and this is my frustration with the entire series right now we have this brilliant cast mm-hmm. yeah. i mean everybody is such a strong performer mm-hmm. i feel like the material that they are given I is agree. you agree is sarah less, yes yes i'm totally on board with that that it, I just feel like they don't have anything to work with. I I don't know if you feel this. One of my, this is a weird issue to have. I love Jodie Whittaker's doctor and I love her take on it. I don't love always the material she's given because I feel like they write her to be so helpless. Yes. And I'm like, no doctor has ever been like this just because, and I, I almost hate, I feel like just because she is a a woman, they wrote her a little more like all of a sudden I feel like, it's never her that saves the day. And yes. I wouldn't even have, have an issue with that being a new trait with the doctor. But I'm like, of all the doctors to introduce this with, this frustrates me. May I tell you, in my notes, I actually, because, okay, so I, uh, confession, I did not write notes for, or an outline for the voice part of this podcast. Yeah. I did, I did make notes knowing that there would be a Doctor Who part yeah. of this podcast. Well, listen, I, of all the episodes we've ever done, I've never made notes except for one single episode, That's and true. that was our seven-person our Avengers, Avengers Endgame panel. It needed is the it. only episode, because I couldn't I keep that. it all together. Right, I mean, I couldn't it. keep the seven of us together or our yeah. list of topics yeah. Yeah. together. What I, I'm right there with you, Sarah, and I was I was telling my husband this. What I want from Jodie Whittaker's doctor, mm-hmm. I want a big David Tennant-esque it is defended. Yes. Yes. I want a I want a Matt Smith Pandorica opens monologue. 
if I may, it just if, you may. It just just because we're gonna wrap up here in a second. But <laughs> if yeah. I might, Oops. but going into the Panopticon and taking down the mainframe herself in the finale, I think is maybe the most powerful Doctor moment we've ever seen in the history of the series. But was so it I'm her? Just, or was, yes, it or was what, her. Or was it, it was that her. other version of herself who we never even like? The no, I don't even it know what was to call her. her. That that what 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 should we call? What's the term for the other the doctor? The Ruth Doctor is what they're calling. The Ruth, her. Ruth, the Ruth Doctor. The Ruth Doctor. Yeah. Good to know. The Ruth Doctor. That's she's more what I wanted to see from my first female doctor, as far mm-hmm. as like persona and just her being so empowered and take charge and she knows what needs to be done, whereas Jody just kind of seems lost a lot of the times. Like yeah, she got there. She got there, but I mean, she spent most of that ep- those two episodes one step behind the master mm-hmm. the entire time until she finally yeah. just blows it all. And she didn't even blow it up. Which is another thing, which is interesting to me that she let Kosharmas take her place mm-hmm. when the doctor's first instinct has always been to protect humans. Prote- yes. And. So that was that was such an interesting thing to me that she was willing to let him sacrifice himself. One, it seemed when like that's a slight cop out that that like I feel like she could have figured out some way so that again a sort of a nobody needs to die. I mean, yeah, all those people were going to die no matter what, but you know, like surely there was something she could have rigged. I up. mean, you're a time lord, Cyberman. Like <laughs> yeah. you got an expiration date. Yeah, something. Some you. This can't last because that that would limit the whole universe universe I guess my thing is I'm super into the lore behind it all and like I think I I love fantasy almost as much as I love sci-fi and so it felt to me like it contradicted some of the premise and precedents set on the show and that's not to say I didn't enjoy it like I feel like I'm you know I'm saying all of these issues I had that's not to say that I, I didn't necessarily like enjoy I don't know I have mixed feelings I guess that's what I'm coming to I have very mixed feelings about the episode all right, vocal fam. Um, can I, no, can I ask ahead. you a question really quick? Uh-huh. Because you're musicians. You're the only people I can ask this to that yeah. you would have a thought on it. So in the Murray Gold era, yes. there was a very clear Cyberman theme, right? Right. And every time you hear that, you're like, oh, snap, they're it's coming. Happening. Yeah. And, but they don't use that anymore. Why did they not no longer use the Cyberman theme? I assume because they got new people doing the music. Yeah, I think I, I think I that can't I can't hum back any any refrains any from refrains. And I used to love English. that. I used to actually I would listen to the soundtracks from the seasons while I like worked and stuff. And now I just I don't have that. The desire. internet has not been thrilled with the with the idea of the fact that we lost the Murray Gold soundtracks. Loved the um, Murray Gold. But oh, also, work. I mean, those were diffi- those were very expensive soundtracks to make because now it's one guy running Ableton writing all the tracks. Mm. And oh, okay. in the Murray Gold era, they literally had to take the London Symphony out of town for a weekend, put them in a studio, and they recorded those entire soundtracks in one weekend. That's um, amazing. Uh, I'm understanding, so- but I did love that music i yeah. loved it, the it, themes oh yeah well, it, it gave it gave such a depth and such a richness i'll agree with that on all i, on all I loved that music and i have missed it okay. i have but i get it there we go we had something we all agreed on vocal fans <laughs> um all right 
Thank you, ladies, so much. Yes. I think both of your work is phenomenal. We've wanted to have this happen for a while, mm -hmm. and um, so thrilled that you're co-presenting at Nats National. Do you know what day your presentation is? Oh, yeah, what time? Is? When? <laughs> it's on the Nats website. I think it's Monday. I, I think it's like, because I think it's Friday, Sunday, Monday, or Friday, because I think I'm doing another one, too. Oh, on fantastic. On fee structures or something. Do you get, fantastic. Are you lucky enough to be Isn't like, afternoon? I'm sorry. I'm very tired. Um, you're allowed to be. What? Ask me the question. Oh, Ask me the question did, just if, do you think that you're an afternoon person or are you like us and have a horrible morning time? Do you remember? You would probably remember if you had like a horrible seven in the morning time. Oh, that's really early. Right. Um, especially after all that voice 7.45. I'm exaggerating oh, a little. Yeah, I think we're like at. I think we're at the other horrible time, which is like dinner time. Five. It's like uh, five or something like that. Yeah. That's all right. I'll have, I don't remember. I'm so sorry. I could look it up real quick. No, it's fine. No, no, it's no, no, it's okay. You're good. Um, so anyway, come to Nats and Knox, Vocal Fam. Consider joining Speakeasy Cooperative, uh, which they can do on Speakeasy. Just Google Speakeasy Cooperative. That's a fair. www.thespeakeasy. <laughs> one more time. Rewind one more time. <laughs> www.thespeakeasycoopcoop.com. There you go. Fantastic. And uh, you can read more about their bios on Nats National or on their own websites, um, Faith Culture Kiss and, and Sand Dollar. Um, so go check them both out, Vocal Fam, and, mm -hmm. and you will be blessed for doing it. Uh, thank you both so much for yes, coming on Vocal you. Fry. Y'all are awesome. Thank, right. you thank you for, for having, having us. us. Absolutely. Have a great day, everybody. Yes. You Thank too, you bye. too, bye. bye. bye.